0: Hi, this is Kristen Riegel.
1: And this is Paul Rock.
0: And welcome to the Common Room Podcast. Um, Every Sunday at 1045, we gather together to talk about life and spirituality, about the common experiences we share, as well as some of the questions we wrestle with.
1: We hope you enjoy this, and we hope to see you some Sunday at 1045. So uh, friends, maybe you're aware of this, but um, this week actually marks the, the 50th anniversary of Earth Day, begun uh, 50 years ago with marches and um, demonstrations and celebrations around the world uh, to um, raise consciousness for the, the protection of our Earth um, and, and being good stewards of this amazing gift that God has given us. You um, you probably know that in the, in the last, uh, This last Lenten season, we spent the time talking about the earth and talking about um, our relationship with uh, the creatures of the earth and with the earth itself, with wind and water. It was a great, great series. Um, The the thing that that tends to kind of catch all of our attention, obviously, um, is when calamity strikes this massive earth of ours that we all share together. And, and the question that we ask ourselves as people of God, and we have for centuries, is, um, is what do we think about God when, uh, when disaster, when pandemic, when, when catastrophe strikes? All of us tell stories uh, about our God and how we make sense of all of this. If we believe in a God, we believe in a God who is all-powerful. Um, we've, we've got to figure out what it is and how it is that God fits into that la- larger story and, and the trauma that we're living through as people. We are all um, theologians, whether we want to admit it or not. And uh, and worldwide challenges like the one we are going through causes us to think about or rethink about how we understand our God, our relationship to God and God's relationship to us and God's relationship to the world. We... Um, we've learned from from scripture in our judeo-christian history that the first worldwide calamity was um was depicted and was reflected on in our scripture in, in genesis chapter 7 and in chapter 8 we have the story of the flood that covered all the earth uh, and devastated the world and and that story of a, of a massive flood um, that covered all the earth is not just doesn't just come from our our jewish history background, but, but also from, from Northern Europe to Africa to Asia, all of the cultures and, and uh, religions of the world, uh, these, these historic religions of the world, um, have these narratives that try to explain why it is that you can find seashells on the top of mountains or, or why it is that you can find the, the, the bones of fish uh, in places that, that are deserts today. Clearly, there was a flood that covered all of the earth, and so people told stories to try to understand why that was, and the story that we tell in our faith comes in the story of of the flood, and that the world was was covered. The the story that we told ourselves, even starting thousands of years ago in our our Hebrew uh, brothers and sisters telling of it, was that there were um, gods of that time that were thought to be, understood to be kind of distant, angry, uh, punishing gods. And so a lot of the stories that were told by other religions were about a God who was punishing and devastating the world. And and there's parts of that actually that make their way into our Hebrew scriptures as well. But even in the course of the the telling and the retelling of the story of the great flood, you start to see a shift in thinking. a shift in theology among the the writers and the storytellers even back in the book of Genesis that moves away from an angry punishing God to a God of faithfulness and love and endurance and presence. So this week I was really glad um, uh, after uh, the, the steep and amazing learning curve that we have all been going through in the last few weeks. Uh, to not have to research and write another sermon because we have a guest preacher this morning whose sermon is, uh, seems just fitted perfectly for today. This is a, uh, as, as I said, you know, during, during Lent we talked about uh, the creation. And so with this being the 50th anniversary of birthday, Day, we thought it would be a good Sunday to kind of end back on creation. And, and six years ago uh, here at Second Presbyterian Church, The Sunday after Easter was also fell on the week of birthday, and uh, and my good friend, um, who I had a chance to chat with a little bit this week, Don Fisher, preached a sermon from Genesis 8, and the story of the flood and the lessons that can be learned about ourselves and about God and what the Hebrew people learned about God and their changing perception of God in light of a global catastrophe um, and what it means for us today and what we can learn from it in a situation like we're going through today. So, but before we get to Don Fisher, um, our reading for this Sunday comes from Genesis 8, as I said, and we have a special family who's going to read for us. So, So, you've got the scripture reading for us this morning.
2: Morning. From Genesis 8, starting at verse 16, God spoke to Noah, go out of the ark, you and your wife, your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you all the animals of every kind, birds, livestock, everything crawling on the ground, so that they may populate the earth, be fertile, and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out of the ark with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives. All the animals, all the livestock, all the birds, and everything crawling on the ground came out of the ark by their families.
3: Noah built an altar to the Lord. He took some of the clean large animals and some of the clean birds and placed entirely burned offerings on the altar. The Lord smelled the pleasing scent, and the Lord thought to himself, I will not curse the fertile land anymore because of human beings, since the ideas of the human mind are evil from their youth. I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. As long as the earth exists, seed time and harvest, cold and hot, summer and autumn, day and night will not cease. This is the word of the Lord.
1: be
4: In this version of the story, though the rainbow shows up at the end of the other story, This version of the story, the promise is secured with this understanding. I will never again curse the ground because of humankind as long as the earth endures seed time and harvest cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease the seasons and the change and the constancy of that was to be a reminder to people that God cared for the earth and there wouldn't be a destruction. The theologian at work with this story says that human beings are inclined toward chaos. And so God says to God's own self, they're not going to change. I'm never again going to put myself through the grief and the agony of this destruction that we have all experienced. And so I've got to put up with them. I've got to be more invested with these human beings to do what I can to bring good out of their chaos. The result for the writer, one of the theologians of Genesis, is that God is a gracious God, a compassionate God, a saving God, one who will stick with God's people always in spite of who they are. That was a revolutionary concept back in Genesis, chapter eight, at the beginning of this, of the story, a revolution, revolutionary discovery among the Hebrew theologians. Um, it's still revolutionary. God cares for us. God sticks with us. God is faithful to us in spite of all the evil that's part of us or the chaos that we bring to the world. Nowadays, we call it gospel. It's what Jesus embodied. It's the message of the cross and resurrection and new life. But it goes back a whole lot farther in time than with Jesus, all the way back to the beginning of the story. Now, work hard here because this takes a little little work. When we observe that the story depicts God as having a change of mind, When the story depicts God as having a change of mind, what does that mean? This God, who we have a pretty good confidence from the very beginning, knew what God was doing, his own self. Uh, Remember that the writer is using a legend to do theology to express an understanding about God and about his or her own self, God having a change of mind means that the writer, the human being, has what? Changed their mind. God having a change of mind means that the writer telling this story has Has had a change of mind about God. And the only way to express it is God must have changed using a story like this. The writer has had an awakening, an epiphany, an experiencing of God into a whole new understanding coming out with something like this. All the other gods out there may be gods of judgment and anger and retribution, warring with each other, causing all kinds of trouble around us. But they've never really cared about us human beings. But our God cares about us. Amen. That was the discovery that was made. Our God cares about us. Our God is compassionate. Our God grieves with our chaos Our God wants us to be better, wants something better for us, something fuller, something more right. Our God does not forget us. Our God does not give up on us and never will. As surely as the seasons come and go, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease Forever and ever as we see it evolving and turning over and over and over again, that's a reminder to us that God is a compassionate, faithful God who is not giving up on us. The centrality of the seasons pictures that faithfulness of God. And the Genesis author rewrites a flood story to proclaim the theological conviction that God is a God who cares passionately, unfailingly, For human beings and for all creation. Okay, that's the introduction uh, for today. The sermon starts now. (laughs) For those of you who are inclined, uh, this is when you would start timing. (laughs) This text has been in my head for two weeks since um, two weeks ago, Sunday evening here at the church. We showed... uh, the first episode of a nine part series that's being shown on Showtime, which is a television network that nobody I know gets, uh, but uh, the, the series is called Years of Living Dangerously, a nine part series that's portraying the effects of climate change on human beings. The program's correspondent in this or one of them in this first episode went to Plainview, Texas. An area that is experiencing severe drought and has for several years, there has been a severe loss of jobs because of the devastation of the of the cattle industry in that area. And the interviewer's focus was on churches. He went to churches and talked to people about their understanding of what was going on. And in general, there was a high level of disassociation or maybe even denial that there was any kind of climate change happening. For the most part, it was understood that this was just another cycle of nature. But some offered a theological perspective of one form or another uh, for their understanding. And as one gentleman put it, we Bible-believing people here have... uh, an understanding that God has promised in Genesis chapter nine that while the earth remains, which is the King James rendering of, as long as the earth endures, that uh, while the earth remains, the seasons will be there: seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. That gentleman quoting this verse says, "This is my assurance that that there's not." global warming happening. There's not climate change happening. Everything is going to be okay. He quoted the text really quite accurately. He just had the chapter wrong. Um, He said nine and it's actually eight, but that's okay. I can give him that one. I probably wouldn't have known for sure which chapter it was in either. But I think his theology was wrong. He finds his assurance in the promise that God will never destroy the earth. But there's nothing in his verse that says that human beings won't. And there's the problem. Yeah. And there's nothing in his verse that says God will choose to intervene when human beings have pushed it way too far. Maybe God will, but it's not here anyway. One person present said it's really ironic to me a lot of the of the first episode focused on people in churches and so she says really ironic to me that we are viewing this program in a church I thought that church people didn't believe in science that they think that the earth is six thousand years old and that any concerns about the health of the planet are nothing but conspiracies that's the impression some folks have of us, Barbara Singleton Was able to stand up and say that why second church was hosting this event and because of our concerns about this issue and to give some background on the Presbyterian church environmental activism over 25 or more years uh, producing report after report after report calling for the churches to study issues of ecology and climate change, and in particular, the threat to the planet that we are experiencing at a rapidly increasing rate, asking churches in asking people of the churches to study it and find their way into addressing the issue. She talked about our own earth um, shepherds in our congregation and about Kansas City's uh sustainable sanctuary coalition and other groups in the city that are are seeking to address these kinds of issues out of a faith perspective. So the question is, where is God in all of this? And I don't know the answer to that either. Uh, Can we expect God to come rushing in and save us from ourselves? Is God grieving over what God is seeing happening to God's creation and saying, I wish they would get with it and keep inspiring by that moving spirit, young people who are passionate about it and caring people and scientists who are vocal enough to come out of their laboratories and get behind the microphones and start helping convince people? Uh, We do know that God is not an earth destroying God. God cares about us. Our God has compassion. God grieves over our chaos. God wants us to be better. God wants the world to be better. More full, more whole, more right. Ask the animals. And they will teach you and the birds of the air and they will tell you and ask the plants of the earth and they will teach you and the fish of the sea will declare to you who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord is in the midst of this glorious earth of ours and in the Lord's hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of every human being. God wants the world that was created good to stay good and to be healthy. I think we are on safe ground to say that the God of resurrection expects us to be sacrificially invested, to be sacrificially invested in the restoration and the renewal of the earth. Amen.
1: It's good to... Good to hear and see Don again, and that um, poignant message. It seems very much applicable today. Um, as I'm sure some of you maybe have seen, people have been uh, have been wondering, considering uh, whether this uh, pandemic that we are enduring is uh, is some sort of a um, punishment from God for uh, for societal sins, and typically the societal sins that are brought out that God must be punishing us for are the, the ones that we like to bring out, or at least some of us do. It's like same-sex marriage, or, or the fact that, that the 10 Commandments aren't put up on walls in public places in our country, and so God is punishing us because of that. Thankfully, we as a, uh, as a people of faith have worked through that issue and have uh, thought about our God and what kind of God we have our notion of god and even from genesis 8 thousands and thousands of years ago we have believed we have progressed in our understanding of god to understand that our god is a god who is not a god that destroys the earth or destroys people especially those people who are the most weak and vulnerable Um, no our god is a god who is a sustaining god and a loving god a redeeming god and a forgiving god our god is a god who comes to be with and in creation and loves us and understands us to the point that God takes on our very being in flesh and God assumes the struggles and the fears and the doubts and even the God forsakenness that we all have felt. And maybe some of us have felt in the last couple of weeks in the person of Jesus Christ, God in Christ takes all of that on and lives and loves for us and then dies for us and is resurrected again. Our God is a God. Our theology is a theology that says that God is with us, God loves us, God restores, redeems, and resurrects. The, um, the things in our lives that we're having a little bit more time to think about and to deal with our own challenges and issues and mistakes, these are things uh, that we could call sins perhaps, that, that we can and should be working on and, and having grace on ourselves, but also seeking to grow and to, to be part of the redeemed community and creation. But when you think about the, the societal sins that are causing global problems, global calamity, the things that we should be able to solve, our, um, our decrease, as you've seen probably in, in the air travel and in, in car travel during this pandemic has shown just how quickly we can clean our air and our atmosphere and, and birds can return to places they haven't been. And we can literally hear things that we haven't heard before. We can be a part of healing this creation and God is at work in this creation through us to bring that kind of healing And in light of a pandemic to increase our ability to care for, uh, provide good medical care for and information and access to people in all parts of our world and our cities and rural areas. These are things that we can do and that God has given us the strength to do. And my hope is that we emerge from this pandemic the same way that the theologian thousands of years ago, the theologians emerged from their thoughts about the flood with new understandings of God, that we will do the same. And yet, I don't know about you, but I've been frustrated recently in in reading just just in the past few weeks, our government has relaxed restrictions, taken actions to relax restrictions on release of mercury and other toxic metals released from coal and oil plants. Also there have been moves to, to loosen curbs on automobile tailpipe emissions and we've opted not to strengthen regulation on industrial suit emissions. I wonder, um, If God is shaking God's head and wondering what it's gonna take for us to learn our lessons, God is not the one uh, who's punishing us, we find ways uh, to punish ourselves. And so as we start to plan for um, thinking about restarting normal, whatever normal is these days, coming back into a, a, a life that's a little bit more of the rhythms that we have been used to, as a people of faith, I want to start thinking, I would encourage all of us to start thinking about what does that normal look like? We don't get many opportunities in all of human history to be able to hit pause and to stop and to step away from ways that we have been doing things and to get a chance to start again. This is an opportunity for us as people of faith to apply our faith and our wisdom, our understanding from from Scripture our understanding of God's love for us, our understanding of the resurrection faith, the faith of hope and new birth and life and love, the the opportunities that we've had perhaps to, to think more deeply, to deal with anxieties and fears, to pray for others, to reach out to others, to spend more time with family, to connect with people. These are lessons that we have learned in this time that as horrible and as scary and as awful and as distancing as, as, as it has been, my hope is that as people of faith, we can move through this pandemic and not go back to normal, but to define a new normal that is shaped by a renewed commitment to love, to connection, to slowing down, to being good stewards and caregivers of our earth and to be thinking about what we are leaving in our wake in ways that we can minimize the negative impact we can have on ourselves and others and on creation, both individually and corporately and globally. Friends, I want to encourage us all to use the, the weeks ahead to find ways to, to connect with each other, to reconnect with God, to start perhaps some new habits, some new possibilities, whether it is through, through prayer or meditation, taking walks, reconnecting with God and with yourself and others to allow ourselves not just to slip back into old patterns as we move into whatever uh, the future holds in the next few weeks, but we could live into a new normal uh, that smells a little bit more, that sounds a little bit more, that looks a little bit more like the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm going to invite Jimmy on uh, to just share with us what's been going on here and things that are upcoming and ways that we can get involved here at, uh, at second uh in, in, in our time and our thoughts and our finances. Jimmy
5: Thanks, Paul. Hey man. So uh, it's it's so good to see all of you this morning and wow what a, a great flow <laughs> compared to last week, Paul. I have to say this was uh, this was wonderful uh, this morning. Um, I'm just I'm excited to share with you a little bit about practically some things that we can do in response to what um, Don reminded us of and what um, Paul has been sharing with us Um, there. I've just been so honored and so um, humbled at, at the messages that I've gotten this week Um, I shared with you last week, a little bit about um, some of our mission partners and how they have responded to our generosity in trying to help them in the midst of this time. Um, But we've also gotten some messages about uh, what can we do to help from you all in the congregation. And so we just wanted to create a space and give you some ideas of what we've heard of where the need is and what we can do. And I wanted to share those with you a little bit. And this is by no means comprehensive, um, but I wanted to uh, just give you a few ideas. And this is, uh, like I said, just the, the scratching the surface. If you want more options, I have plenty of options. Alex has put them up on the Second Pres website, but feel free to contact me directly. Um, the Second Emergency Assistance, anytime that we find out about a need within our congregation or connected to our congregation somehow, our neighborhood, um, we are taking the opportunity to, to meet that and we have been able to meet some of those needs for emergency assistance. There's also the Kansas City Regional COVID-19 Response and Recovery um, that we wanted to make you aware of. It's a, a great opportunity for people that are doing a whole bunch of different things, a um, uh, place that you can give. Our friends over at Reconciliation Services and Thelma's Kitchen, um, if you're not familiar with Reconciliation Services, they are a safety net organization here in Kansas City. um, Often offering to help people with utilities and rent and in places that other organizations aren't able to or can't for some reason meet their needs. They're kind of that that last resort place that'll step in and help Um, and they're doing some some really neat things there at 31st and Troost. Um, Also, our good friends over at Covenant Prez and Grandview Park Prez, they're both running food pantries. Um, They both rely on, I know at least Covenant relies on uh, harvesters' donations, and so some of the funding that we give goes to help get some of those supplies over so they can continue running their their food pantry. And we've already helped them out financially um, a couple times here, and and Kirk Peruca just sends his his gratitude and thanks to us. But if you want to contribute directly, we can help you make that happen, and then Hope Faith Ministries was brought to our attention by uh, Bev Schrader, a member of our missions committee, um, and they're doing kind of tent setups with medical care and and assistance. Um, and so there's there's a lot of options that are happening. Again, this is just the the first few. There's some really great nonprofits both within our Second Pres family and and out in the community. Um, please consider giving if you're if you're able to. Um, if you were wanted to kind of funnel funds uh, through through Second, here's a few options of how you can give in addition to your normal pledge giving and giving so that we can keep doing our ministries. Um, I, I saw this meme on Facebook the other day about uh, it. Just seems like even though we're home and working from home, we're busier than we've ever been. I know I'm on Zoom calls um, probably five to six nights a week with different groups of people and connecting with our teenagers and all that stuff. We're still doing an incredible amount of ministry and programming and events and still trying to find ways to stay connected. So your generosity is making all that happen. But here's three different ways that you can continue to give uh, if you're able. Um, and lastly, and this is kind of a little bit different, many of you will remember the display that we had um, during our environmentalism series. We had a whole bunch of plants. Sarah Harms and, and members of the worship committee and Kristen put together this beautiful display of, of plants um, and they were supposed to last the whole time. We didn't get to appreciate them in person, um, but many of us have taken those home and kind of foster cared those plants over the last few weeks um and so we have a whole bunch of them and we figured that you know why not brighten your lives up a little bit and so this afternoon we're going to be bringing all of those plants back and leaving them on the front porch of second um feel free to grab them anytime today take as take as many as you want there's going to be a couple dozen there um but know that this is just our way of getting them out there. We'd love them all picked up today if possible, uh, just because of the weather, we don't want any of them to die. Um, But just know that that's that's an option for you. Um, I know that my house is filled. We brought, uh, Aaron and I brought home (laughs) several dozen of them and man, the the air is fresh in here. So um, it's been really uh, great to have those and I hope that you'll be able to enjoy those as well. Um, don't forget that we have uh, Wednesday night 808 um, if if you want to come join us for a time of gathering um, and prayer Um, Fridays uh, three times a week our teenagers are meeting Um, and so know that there's there's plenty of ways to connect and if you need to find a time or find a spot to meet with us know that we're gonna try to make that try to make that happen so thank you for how you're being the church and how you're continuing to to be the hands and feet of Christ in our community Um, it really is encouraging I'm um, really just proud to be a part of this family so,
1: so the the formal worship service is over but um, wanted to just hear from those of you who are interested in sticking around a little bit to um, hear your reflections I'm I'm, I'm most interested in and, and I will trust everybody at this point you know how to click on your own screen to mute or unmute it's easiest if we stay muted unless you're unless you're sharing um, but I'm wondering if uh, if you've got some um, Unexpected. Uh, well, let's let's do both of these things. Let's say if 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 there's some things that you are um, uh, challenges to your theology, your understanding of God, and what's going on in the world that you would like to share um, that are kind of troubling and and discomforting. But then also, um, if there are things that you have learned, maybe unexpected um, glimpses, wisdom, even experiences of joy that you have. Um, uncovered or learned um, in the course of these three four weeks now that we have lived in this new abnormal be curious to hear what uh, what God's been teaching you what you've been learning um, either challenging or hopeful.
3: Paul where Matt and I yeah hi so where we're kind of struggling right is that um, there's a huge discord between some extended family and us right like they're very much in a this is overblown, it isn't real, 5G cell towers are, are the root cause. So we're really struggling to like keep family connections. Um, and also like, I don't want to, you know, get in Facebook fights, but it's really hard to let like totally wrong, scientifically unfounded and hurtful things go on. So like we were just talking about like how do we like continue to be the light of Christ in the world, but like not engage, but at the same time. It's hard to let all this misinformation just keep running rampant.
2: And we have, like, on the side of the family that's not feeling that way. People that work in healthcare, people like me. My job is statistics and data, right? And it's, it's funny because it's, um, it's cast as though believing in this is actually, um, well, I don't know, I don't know how to say it,
3: but yeah,
2: it's crazy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's challenging anybody else having that experience or have ways that you've you've maneuvered through that or, or work to mitigate that
6: well as i visit uh I'm, I'm a hospice chaplain and i'm doing some patient care um some direct patient care and uh i find families and people who are very cavalier about this who really don't believe and so even in my pastoral role i have to say i want to hug you but i can't and um because I can't go out and infect other people. And to gently confirm, you need to be wearing your mask. You know, you need to be keeping your distance, if not for yourself or other people. But it's hard to do. The uh, tensions are kind of right under the the surface. People are uptight and um, the energy's heavy and can be explosive. So Sosa, so I'm kind of with you on that as I'm sort of daily and momently checking in to say, so God. Tell me what to say what not to say help me with guidance about how my response should be
1: thanks for sharing that melissa anybody um find any uh wise ways to to navigate that challenge it it is it is uh, yeah go ahead
3: no matt was joking that god needs to take his keyboard away (laughs) i did i did delete facebook off my phone also i just couldn't yeah I,
7: i
2: I hit the take a break uh thing where you just don't see people i I think there's
1: some i think there's some wisdom to that yep just to step away from it for a while Mm
7: -hmm. hello hi andy oh hi paul hi everybody uh andy and nancy cullen we're up here north of the river in beautiful gladstone missouri and nancy and i walk Uh, almost every day at uh, one of the large parks up here, Happy Rock Park (laughs) in Gladstone. Anyway, uh, yesterday when we were walking, it was a nice day and lots and lots of people using uh, the park. Um, Gladstone has not taken down the uh, tennis nets, the nets on the tennis courts, they took down the uh, rims on the basketball goals huh so uh actually four of us uh during the week are still playing tennis but we noticed yesterday that um even though gladstone has put up uh signs around the little playgrounds in all of the parks about being temporarily closed that there were two family groups now using um the little playground areas i think as the time goes on we will see more and more people and i guess this would be evidence in some of the the protests that are scheduled i think we'll find more and more people not heeding um, the social distancing and uh, their community guidelines um, fortunately, our family members are all doing that. And most, well, yeah, we have a couple of uh, other folks, but um, uh, I, I, w- I was chastised by our daughters uh, because I told them I had gone to the hardware store two weeks ago. And um, uh, our, our, our grown daughters, uh, I, I got blistering text messages from them. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so, so we're doing a lot better with that. Well, I thought he was
8: going to say the one thing we found, both of us feel a real need to be in nature.
1: To be in nature, yeah.
8: I wish I could be there all day because when I get on my trail where I can't, you know, I'm surrounded by the beauty of nature and watching it all bloom, um, it's easy to kind of get out of the space of reality. So we're really finding nature is important.
1: Yeah, nature can be a good a good help. Um, was someone else going to share something
2: I was just going to say if you anybody that does want to take some nice walks if you've never been to bur oak woods out by blue springs they've got great trails out there very pretty yeah Uh, nature
1: nature doesn't tend to argue back and the animals um, apparently at this point can't can't catch or transmit the disease so uh, sometimes sometimes nature can be our best therapist i one of the things I've tried to do it, um, I don't know that we have any real deniers in my immediate family, but there are some folks that aren't taking it as seriously and I think what I'm trying to recognize in that is one of my family members in particular is they they are such people of um of habit and routine and they're social uh, that I've had to try to while well, at the same time encouraging them and and challenging them to uh, to be careful because we can be unwanted. Unmeaning, uh, uh, you know, participants in spreading this disease, uh, and we got to be thinking about others, but to recognize what's, what's the movement uh, in that person's life that's causing them to do these things is that is, is not evil. Um, and I can't, I can't impart upon them uh, ignorance or, or intention that they're really desiring, um, uh, just just to connect in a normal way with their old routines and in in the ways that they do. And, and it's just harder for some folks to move out of that than others. And we can move out of it for maybe two or three weeks. And after that, we start to lose our patience. So, you know, the, the mantra that we've got in our family is just when you think you've extended enough grace to other people, just, just ask God for a little bit more because all of us need more grace in our lives and in our relationship with our families and being generous with that, but also with others. I, I went on a walk yesterday with my daughter and, and uh, we went to a park and, and we were both just getting frustrated at how people, um, yeah, we're being kind of cavalier and, and groups of people. And even as we were walking towards each other, um, you know, towards other people, people didn't seem to be kind of moving out of the way. And, and then I just, I had to stop and think, you know, these are just, these are just good people who are trying to just get out in nature and experience it. And, uh, and for me to impart um, negative intentions or, or uh, hurtful intentions onto their uh, onto their minds and souls is not is not right. So I needed to extend a little bit more grace. But at the same time, we're talking about a very deadly and easily transmissible disease, and so I, you know uh, to, to 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 navigate those two realities in your life, trying to be gracious and understanding and and give as much grace as possible to yourself and others but at the same time to do what is wise and right it's 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 going to be it's going to be a challenge for us and for a uh, nation
8: i think it's particularly hard to extend that grace when you have people who are on the front lines and are living in um rvs so they don't bring the disease home to their family um
1: our care workers yeah
8: yeah and uh some of my family live in Uh, I have people who live in Queens, which is like the Queens Astoria area, which is the hotspot of New York City. And so when I see people just walking around me, I'm like, because those people, I mean, I've got family in real danger.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's personal. Yeah. Other thoughts?
8: Um, Well, I had an aha moment. This week, and it happened to be a Facebook post. Fortunately, um, I think I've gotten rid of everybody I don't want to see on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was talking about the stages of grief, and I thought that is true. Yep. What a lot of these people are doing is denying, and that's a stage of grief. You know, our way of existence is so different now, and it's just so easy to to slip into that denial and say, "I'm, I don't believe it."
1: Yep, that's a good that's a good way to think about it. Yep, it's a, it, I think there's a lot of grief in the air, right? And and I think uh, when we don't know that and we're not realizing the the amount of fear and grief that's in the air, we're literally breathing it in. It's 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 affecting our environments, and, and all of us respond to that in different ways. Um, and Lord have mercy on us if we can figure out how to how to be kind to each other in the midst of this, because that's what everyone's doing is responding to this grief and uh, and trauma in different ways.
5: You know, Paul, I was just gonna say, I think we're also moving into a a time where fewer, and uh, everyone is starting to move closer to having a firsthand experience with this. Like I'm starting to hear more people talk about people they know personally who are either sick or getting better or who have had it go go bad. It's not just an idea anymore. It's not far away anymore. It's actually getting closer and closer to home and I know even how it's affected our family. Um, Aaron's dad uh, tested positive and it has been in rough spot for about 10 days now and is going through treatments and, and all that stuff. And so now, you know, obviously, his, Aaron's mom has now been uh, exposed to it. And so just trying to walk through that and and the fear. I think so often we're just trying to get control of something that is so outside our control. and and trying to blame somebody, someone should take responsibility for this. Um, and I think that it, it makes it hard. And in a sense, you're always just wanting to take control of the thing you can and whether or not it's the virus or it's your ability to work and make money or um, you know take care of your family. I just think it's, it's getting into a place where people don't know what to do. And yeah. I think that's really hard. And I appreciate your word just about, more and more grace because the more that this starts to become a firsthand experience, the more afraid we're likely to get, the more out of control we're likely to, to feel. And just even like, how do you care for someone? You know, Our uh, Aaron's parents are not close. And so we have to kind of have that relationship from far away and try to figure out what we're gonna do about it to be encouraging and be helpful. Um, but really it's, that's, a, that's about as far as we can go. And that feels yeah. really helpless sometimes. um
1: before i i've got a couple of closing things i want to say but before i do that is there any anyone else who uh who would like to share um lessons that you've learned or things that you're dealing with and
0: i think uh so we had our deacons meeting what was like one week ago or so yeah and Frank White, who's one of our deacons, gave a really interesting reflection at the beginning of it. Um, And he was drawing on an article that he he read, and I think it was from the book called Tribe, and looked at when natural disasters or war, other calamities had happened. And um, what this writer found is that in those times when kind of the world fell apart, people came together, things didn't go into anarchy, there weren't times when um people were kind of looking out for themselves but they began to rediscover the common good and so some of the things that they found like during times of war after there was this big bombing in the city is that like the amount of death by suicide went down the amount of isolation went down that people found ways of coming together and so i thought that was really interesting to remember that although this feels new and foreign and awful um, we, as a human race, as a human community, have been through terrible times before, and if we look at those times, they have been opportunities to come together in new ways. Um, I was talking to one of our members who's in our 80s, um, Martha Fletcher, who lives at Lakeview. She doesn't worship with us in person, but um, was on my search committee and just has been kind of a fantastic person to always talk to, and she's a social worker, so she's very aware of human suffering and um. The realness of um of what's happening but she said you know kristen i'm really excited right now and when i picked up the phone with her that's not what i was expecting to hear i mean she's oh. in isolation in her room and she said i love the chaos she goes i love the chaos because when things fall apart something new happens and she said that's oh. the only way it ever happens. so she goes i love the chaos i don't know what's going to happen next but this is how change happens, and we should be so excited. And again, she's a social worker. She's very aware not to dismiss human suffering by any means, but for her to be able to look at this as an opportunity. And as I hear those stories about wartime people coming together, I'm going, yep. how do we see this as probably old systems and structures yep. falling apart for us to come together in new ways? So yep. that's giving me some hope.
1: Amen. Preach it. Um, um, yeah, I mean, put that into a sermon for a, a week or two from now, Kristen, because that, I think you're absolutely right. And I. Uh, you know, as I listen to you, what all of you are struggling with, what I know I'm, I've i been struggling with um, it, I think it helps for us to have that historical perspective and, and that broader perspective, I, I, I uh, I'll kind of let my, my, um, my political colors show here and no, I don't think they're, they're political, it's just social, just who I, who I am as a follower of Jesus Christ. I, I, one of my favorite political candidates um, in uh, the Democratic uh, runoff was um, Andrew Yang. I just, I just felt like, that. Uh, I mean, I thought there were a number of them that were fantastic, but uh, just, he just seemed very smart and thoughtful in, in the way that he responded to the challenges and the questions. And his idea that we should just, um, you know, everyone in the, in the country should just receive, um, I forget if it was 1000 or $1,500 a month um to uh so that we can alleviate some of the basic pain and suffering that a lot of people in our country deal with um, so that they can start thinking about other things and 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 i think those of us who live in a in a bubble like a lot of us do um don't recognize just that that basic level of of hardship uh that people live with in our in our country um and then you think about other things about our our health care and some of the more wacky ideas that people had about you know having universal care for all and, and, um, and how the the pushback against both those ideas are real strong for a lot of folks in our, our country that we can't do that. And that's socialism. And that's, you know, all the, all the reasons why that is just antithetical to who we are as America. And we can't do those things. And that's, it's silly. It's stupid. It's unfeasible. And then you just look at what we have done as a country in the last three weeks, everybody's getting paychecks. Um, everyone's getting free testing. Uh, no one's getting evicted from their houses. Um, and somehow we're doing it with $2 trillion. I have no idea exactly where that money is going to come from, but the point is when we agree as a a nation that we've got some serious problems we need to address, we don't fight about the money. We just do what is the right thing to do, and we care for people, and we keep small businesses afloat, and we make sure people get free testing. Now, it's obviously there's still... this is reeling a whole lot of inequity in our society and, and the way that certain people have access or don't have access to, to healthcare and, and pre-existing conditions that are societal and not genetic. And uh, it's, it's, it's sad in that way. But I, I like to think that um, if we look at this over the span of two or three or four years, I would, I would like to believe that there might be some social shifts that take place when we see as a world, as a country, what we can do and how we can respond uh, as a whole, as a society that we can, um, care for people and provide for people even when a lot of folks out there will say we can't or that's foolish or stupid um, i I, I want to believe that if we step back and get out of the little nitpicky arguments we can get in with people um, and step back and believe that that maybe like Martha Fletcher says maybe out of the chaos some new things will will be um, will be seen and, and 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 life will will come you know like We've said in the past maybe that the darkness of the tomb is actually the the pain of the womb and that uh, new things will be born out of this let's hope that's a good thought i think to end with um we're going to be moving next week into a new series that Kristen and i and others talked about maybe we cancel this because we've been thinking about this series for about four or five months and it had to do with joy and happiness um we are going to go ahead with that series starting next next week um and we're going to talk about uh how it is that things like finding joy um, and uh, and experiencing happiness uh, as people of faith can t- take place even during a pandemic? Um, and we, we don't want to make light of anything. We it, this is not going to be a rose-colored um, and uh, simplistic thinking hippy dippy kind of this is how positive thinking or or uh, you know happiness can can change your experience we know that's not the case this is these are difficult times we're living in and for some people they're awful and horrendous times Um, but nonetheless for the you know for the duration of our of our faith um, people have worked through and lived through and struggled through horrible uh, times and somehow um, have found ways to tend to faith to tend to joy and in the midst of of those struggles to somehow grasp deeper levels of god's presence Um, and peace and joy even in the midst of that. So that's what we're going to be talking about um, for the next uh, few weeks up until Pentecost. So if you have things that you've experienced, um, ways that you have learned, because joy isn't something that just happens. It's, It's something you have to work on, just like faith, just like a good relationship, just like your health it's a, it's a habit. You've got to work on it every day. And this has given some of us the opportunity to work on some, hopefully some good habits as well as picking up some bad habits. And I would love to hear from you, maybe some ways that you found to tend to joy or positive ways of thinking about God and yourself and others. Um, so um, with that friends, uh, if we can unmute our mics, can you unmute everybody Alex?
5: Yep. All done. All right.
6: Thank
1: you. Bye everybody. Bye.